Good morning. Please turn in your Bibles to this morning's scripture, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. If you would like to follow along using a pew Bible, you can find the passage on page 530. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we have just sung that Jesus is our life. That all we have is Christ. And indeed, Lord, that's the most important thing. We thank you for your word. We have heard it read. You have provided it for us. You've given us the freedom to, to have our own Bibles and, and to open them up and to, to study them anytime we want. And, and we, we, we mustn't, but we can't, and we don't take that for granted. So Lord, today, as we, as we consider your word and what you have to say to us, Will you give us submissive hearts to hear you? You have spoken. Give us ears to hear, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There are uh, a lot of passages in the scripture and in particular in the book of Proverbs about work and laziness. Why would God seem to be so concerned about that? With all the other things we have to deal with, why would that be something that we have uh, such a number of, uh, of verses about. Well, 
Before we jump into the book of Proverbs, I, I want us to first make sure we understand uh, where uh, work came from. And what you, what you do if you want to see where something came from is the, the best place to start is in the beginning. So you go back to the book of Genesis and see what things were instituted there in uh, the book of Genesis. So let me, let me read to you from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that's the first place we see that, that there was going to be work involved in God's creation. But what I want you to take note of is that that's before the fall. Work wasn't punishment. We were created for that. Sin had not come into the world at that point. And so work is a good thing. Now, we continue on because we see sin comes into the world and then there's the fall that affected Adam and Eve and all their posterity, that's us, and the world itself. And then we read about the curse from that. And here's what it says. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. See what's changing. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. So do you catch the difference there? You have before the fall, he is saying, look, this is, this is yours. Take care of it. And that involved work. Sin comes into the world and then a part of the curse is that everything is going to change now. Which, by the way, it will only be fixed when Jesus returns, as we sang about earlier. Okay? So everything changes, and now uh, out in the fields where uh, you are to work, there's going to be thorns and thistles. It's going to be hard. It's going to cause you pain. And the only way you're going to eat is by the sweat of your brow. 
So that's where the curse comes in. And that's where work, for some of you who do not enjoy work, you can see where this originates. So that's where it came from. Where do we go from there, though? Now, I told you in our little teaser on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever it comes out, that we'd be talking about uh, laziness. And uh, I suspect that a number of you would be kind of like me if I was sitting out there without any, any preparation. Uh, I think what we've got to do is apply this on two levels, the, the uh, physical and the spiritual. Now, many times those, those are connected, but there are also many times when someone would not be at all considered to be lazy. They work hard. They maybe put in a lot of hours at their, at their work and so on. They're very uh, vigorous at that. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, there's a laziness. So I want all of us, whether, whether you've ever been called lazy or not, I want all of us to evaluate according to what this says. And listen, I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. When I was in college and seminary, I, I worked three jobs at a time. Uh, the first position I had as an assistant pastor, and uh, you all know that everybody becomes a pastor because we only work one day a week. Well, well <laughs> in order to avoid that, much to my surprise, in, in my first position, I, I worked for uh, a senior pastor who was a workaholic. And so the session, they didn't want me to be a workaholic. So they said, what we want from you are six, eight-hour days. 48 hours, that's, that's your minimum here. And uh, that was to keep me from working seven, you know, or, or whatever. Now, if you ask Connie, she'll probably tell you that there have been few weeks I've worked that few hours but look, I, I'm not saying this at all to try to impress you because I, I know that many of you work lots of hours and have worked hard all your life. In fact, the reason I'm saying this is just the opposite. Because while I may not fit into what Proverbs talks about in terms of laziness and the cautions there, in terms of the physical realm, here's where I was convicted this week. The Word of God convicted me. It hit me right between the eyes that there have been many times and even seasons in my life where I've been spiritually lazy. And so I want to lead us through a, a brief journey here. 
because I believe that this potentially applies to everyone in this room. So please don't check out saying, look, I've always worked hard all my life. I don't need this sermon. So let's take a look, first of all, at the marks of laziness. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4, and we're going to be bouncing around mostly in uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The first mark is desiring successful results without preparatory work. Look what it says here. The sluggard, and some of your versions may say sloth, sloth, sluggard, uh, you can be either one of those, okay? Those are, we'll use those interchangeably, or the lazy person. Uh, but my version, the English Standard Version, says sluggard. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So plowing time in Palestine uh, is in November and, and December. It's during that time that there's also uh, the north wind. So what it's saying is that uh, uh, one who is a sluggard finds his excuse. He'll find his excuse. Here's the point. Wouldn't matter if it was cold or hot. If it was cold, then it's too cold. If it was hot, it's too hot to do these things. So then the time for, for harvest comes. And he looks and finds nothing in his field. Now, I think this is pretty amazing. Uh, uh, what's interesting here to me is, why would he even look in his field? He knew he hadn't plowed it. He knew he hadn't planted. Uh, I, I don't know whether he thought, well, I believe in miracles. Uh, you know, surely maybe something uh, could happen here. Um, but, he, but he knew down deep that he's not going to harvest because he didn't do what was necessary, and yet he looks with expectation. So uh, that's the idea here. His hope is a, a desire for results without preparatory work. Now, that's the physical idea of it. Let's think spiritually. Maybe you can already see the application. Someone envies another person's growth or their spiritual maturity, but doesn't take time to read the word, doesn't spend time in prayer, isn't regular in worship or in growth classes, but is frustrated by their lack of growth. I have, uh, uh, from time to time, had uh, through my ministry, had somebody come up to me and say, you know, your sermons just don't do it for me. <laughs> That's always fun when that happens, you know. <laughs> and it's, there are different versions of that. And, uh, you know, I think of all kinds of answers I can't say out loud to them. 
But here's the thing that I, I always wonder about, and sometimes if they're in a, a talking mood, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Have you done any preparatory work? Because I want to be the first one to admit and to tell everyone in this room that this sermon and our sermons every single week, that's not enough. Thank you for not having a big amen to, to, to that, but that's not enough if you really want to grow spiritually. There's more. It just doesn't work that way. This would be like an instant feeding where I'm doing all the work and you're receiving. Now, it's a part of your spiritual growth. I would never minimize how God uses the preaching of the word. But think in terms of the preparatory work. The, the, and, and we, I was again just struck as we talked about the persecuted church, how, uh, how much the word of God means to so many people in our world. And we've, we've got Bibles in our home that never get opened. So it's that, it's that groundwork, that preparatory work uh, that is necessary as well in terms of our growth. So a second mark of laziness is uh, wrong priorities. Uh, over in chapter 24, verse 30. Proverbs 24, verse 30. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. I like this. A lot of times he, he talks about the sluggard as he doesn't have any sense. He's got no sense. Um, but the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. Verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So what, are, what are, is this person's uh, priority? What are his priorities? Sleep and slumber. And I don't think it is necessarily just literal sleep. It's resting. And there's a carelessness uh, characterized here. Look at, look at what his, his field is like. There's weeds. There's, uh, the walls are falling down. Uh, that's what's happening to his property, and his priority is sleep. He knows all that, but what matters to him is resting up. That's the sluggard right there. All these uh, things that should be priorities are not, and the things that don't need to be priorities become the priority. Now think spiritually. Spiritual priorities. I'd like to read my Bible more, but I really don't have time for it. What does that mean? Well, it's a priority thing. Everyone has the same amount of time. 
What that means is that if, if you don't have time in, in your waking hours, then you need to expand those waking hours, either by getting up earlier or staying up later, or there's something in your waking hours that, that you need to do differently. If, if the reading of the Word and prayer are priorities, maybe turning off the TV, whatever it is, we all have the same number of hours. It's always a matter of what's my priority. You will do what you want to do. That's the way it works. And then a third mark of laziness is a wrongful or paralyzing fear. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 13. Proverbs 22, a wrongful fear. Here's what it says in verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Now, one of the commentators uh, uh, says that uh, in speaking about the sluggard, uh, the sage, the Solomon who's writing this, is at his most sarcastically comedic when it comes to the lazy person being sarcastic about how they are. Another says the sluggard in Proverbs is a figure of tragicomedy with his sheer animal laziness. So here's, here's what he's saying. The slothful person thinks of the most improbable things to be alarmed about. When it says outside, that the commentators say that denotes uh, the fields. Uh, and he's saying, you know what, I, I can't go out in those fields. I can't even go in, in, in my own streets because, well, a lion will probably eat me out there. Now, that wasn't an issue. Ordinarily, not to say it couldn't at some point, there might not be a danger but this shows the extremes that the slothful person will, will go to of, of, of saying, look, yeah, there might be danger out there, and so therefore I shall do nothing. Do you see the difference? As opposed to I must be careful, I must be wise. It, it all becomes, well, I guess I'll rest. That's the slothful person. Now, spiritually, we can always rationalize reasons. Reasons we have to miss worship, reasons we have to miss uh, the Sunday school hour, growth classes, or, or our, our Bible study. Um, the question should always be this for us. I want to encourage you to ask this question. Is this an excuse or am I providentially hindered? Now let me explain the providentially hindered part. To be providentially hindered means that God has intervened to make it impossible for you to do this. So here's what you're doing. And, and by the way, there are times you're providentially hindered. I'm not saying... There are not those times. There are. But if you're going to ask that question, 
you need to be prepared because basically what you're saying is, I'm not going to this because God won't let me go. So you're bringing him into it, not your convenience, not whether you need more rest. This is a great Sunday to do that on since we all got the extra hour. But in the spring, oh, it's like, oh boy, I don't know that I can do this today, right? Well, that's, that's the same idea in terms of that, that kind of uh, uh, excuse. There's a fourth mark, and that is pride. Mark of laziness or the sluggard. Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 16. It says this, Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. There it is again. Sluggard's got no sense. He's, but he's wiser in his own eyes. That can sometimes come off as one who acts like they're, they're entitled to something even if they're sluggards. Spiritually, I think this is the person looking for the shortcut. Wanting maybe to spiritually grow, wanting perhaps those good things, but trying to figure out how, how can I get there and take the short path there rather than the diligent path, the wise path, the straight path. So let's look at some of the results of, of laziness. Uh, Proverbs 12, Proverbs 12, verse 24 One of the results of uh, laziness is a lack of progress. Verse 24 in chapter 12, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. So forced labor, that's like slavery. That's what it's talking about. So here is one of those contrasting parallelism. Remember in, in Hebrew uh, literature, uh, you can have a statement and then another statement that's parallel with that, or you can have a statement uh, and then the opposite statement uh, for emphasis. And this is really what that is, the contrasting parallelism. The diligent rule, the slothful, will not just serve, because that wouldn't necessarily be a negative. Serving isn't a, a bad or a wrong thing. But what it's saying, they'll serve in a way in which basically they're stuck. It's involuntary labor. There's no advancement, nowhere to go. One is stuck. So let's think spiritually in our spiritual life. If one is not progressing spiritually, if you're staying the same, you're going backwards. If you're standing still spiritually, then we're digressing. So here's a way to analyze. 
If someone asks you for your testimony, tell me what God's doing in your life or what he has done in your life. Let's say you came to Christ 20 years ago, and you tell them about how you, you came to Christ 20 years ago. And you say, that's what he's done in my life. Isn't it great? What about this week? What about this month, this year? How up-to-date is your testimony? Now, Absolutely, you always begin with, with coming to Christ. But what's happened in those last 20 years? And that will help you understand whether you've progressed. Where, where was I a year ago? Where was I five years ago, 10 years ago? How does it compare to today? And that will help you understand whether you're staying still, which means digressing or whether you're progressing and really growing, making progress. Another result of, of laziness is a lack of provision. Uh, Proverbs 20, back into chapter 20. And by the way, one, one of the challenging parts of uh, these messages is there are, there are way more passages than in Proverbs on most of these subjects than than we could deal with. Proverbs 20, verse 13, talks about this lack of provision. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you'll have plenty of bread. So if you put that verse with our scripture reading for today, with what, what we read in chapter 24, uh, that scarcity swoops down and catches up with you, uh, again, that doesn't mean that everyone who has scarcity is necessarily a sluggard. We have to understand that as well. But that that is one of the ultimate results most often of one who is a sluggard. So how about spiritually? Well, it, it could mean one who really has no reserve for trying times. Here's what I mean by that. You, you don't want to wait until you're in the middle of a trial to begin to seek God, to begin to trust him, to, to build up, as it were, the reserves, the knowledge of him, the understanding of his sovereignty and of his love and of his grace. Don't wait until you're in the middle of a difficult time because if you t completely wait, that doesn't mean God won't meet you there. But what it likely means is you just won't have the reserves to go into that. And so all the preparatory work before you enter into the trial, all the preparatory work that you do and then you enter into the trial will prepare you better, will give you more provision for when you get there. Another result is uh, uh, in Proverbs 19, just one one chapter back from there, verse 15. 1915. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. So there's a, a false security, a false security. 
So think about it. How can one possibly be in a deep, restful sleep when your life just didn't go in well? The example here is uh, uh, you don't have any food, but you lay down and you sleep like, like a baby. It's all good till you wake up and then you're hungry and you have no provision. It's a false security. It's, you're kidding yourself spiritually. Think about it. Because there's a balance here. A balance between uh, trusting and resting in Christ but not being passive in your spiritual nourishment. Being diligent in your, your pursuit of Christ and not being passive. We sometimes see the sign, let go and let God. Well, there's a moment for that. But the Christian walk is not a passive one. If we are to grow, if we are to make progress, it's, it's a diligent pursuit. Like the deer who is so thirsty, panting for the water. That should be our desire for Christ. And then there's uh, another result. If you look in chapter 21, Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. They have a lack of satisfaction in this life. Have you ever had one of those, uh, those days off where uh, you had a big list of things that you, you really needed to get done? And it's just, it's staring you in the face, but it's a, it's a beautiful day and you, you, you start at the top of the list and you begin to, to do things and you, you check, it, check it off one at a time and you're making progress through the list and you get through your list and it's the end of the day and you have completed your list. You've checked off the last thing and you are just, you're dead tired. You're ready to go to bed, but you've got that big deep breath kind of satisfaction. Ah, that was good. The sluggard never gets there. Never has that deep breath. Never has that, that sense of satisfaction that this speaks of. So where do we go from here? Well, let's go back to where we started. In Proverbs 6, it says this. Go to the ant, verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways. By the way, I was, we were getting ready for Wednesday night, and I was unloading some stuff out there, and I was working on this message, and there were like a million ants running across the sidewalk down there. So I had to stop and play with them for a few minutes. And, <laughs> uh, but, but they are amazing. You know, you, you put your foot in the middle of them, 
and uh, that's not going to stop them. They just, they just keep going. They, you know, and if you leave your foot there, they'll, you know. But they are amazing creatures. So you go to the ant. You sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now, there's one overstatement here, and that is the ant does have an overseer. The ant has a creator that created that ant to do exactly what I was able to watch them do over there. And they're amazing when they're doing what they are created to do. We are created. We're created for work, and, and it can be hard. But the alternative is not honoring to Christ, is not where we as his people should be. We have a creator and a redeemer, and that's our motivation for the diligent pursuit of Christ.